Welcome to the Seahawks 360 podcast, a Sports Ethos production, where we look at the Seahawks from every angle, every week. I'm Candace Higgins. And I'm Tino Ganassius. And it, as always, guys, it is a pleasure and it's a privilege for us to talk Hawks with you. Today, today we're going to talk about the upcoming uh, game. We're going to preview the game against the Panthers, week three matchup. It's a home game. And it's becoming a little bit more interesting than I think on paper anybody would thought it thought that it would. But before we do that, it's been a pretty newsy week for the Seattle Seahawks. It's been a lot going on on transaction wire. So I just kind of want, want to update you guys on where we are with the team. So one of the big bummers that I think that we got following the game against the Lions was that Mike Morris was placed on IR. And Pete Carroll pretty much implied that his season would be over. It looks mm-hmm. like he's got a shoulder thing that seems to be, I don't know how big of an issue it was for him in college, but it seems to have been, a, they refer to it as an older issue. And mm-hmm. so now he's having surgery and it, the surgery takes months to recover from. Um, so, Tino, how you feeling? That you're, Mike Morris is the guy you were excited about. He is a Michigan guy for sure. Um, watched, like I said, watched every one of his snaps in college. I was just excited that, you know, we've got an athletic 6'6", 300-pound guy who fits that uh, that 3-4 D-end mold, right? He's strong. He can hold up at the point of attack. He can give you a little bit of pass rush or penetrate if need be. Um, in my mind, when they, when they signed Mario Edwards, I thought, you know, Edwards could hold it down for a while as the veteran and kind of teach Mike Morris the ropes and eventually – if Mike Morris was as talented as the Seahawks thought, they would have moved him in later on in the year as the starter and then had Edwards spell uh, Morris. But obviously that's not in the cards. And so disappointed for him being a Michigan man, but also disappointed for the Seahawks because that type of size, that type of length, that's that, uh, you know, that prototypical three, four defensive end type of frame. And that's what I think the Seahawks in some ways are missing right now. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I, I think that they needed whatever size they could get because they are undersized as a team overall. And so to lose just the, the physical presence of Mike Morris is is tough, as well as to lose a body because they they were pretty thin at that position. If you ask me, going into the uh, the offseason anyway, like they they really needed to, I thought, add a body, you know, somebody to mm-hmm. to create some depth so you're not overworking your interior guys. I mean, if you play your interior guys long snaps you get diminishing results from week to week. And so now that's even more emphasized. And that is a concern for me over the mm-hmm. long term. I I wasn't as high on Mike Morris in the sense of I didn't think he'd immediately overtake Mario Edwards, but I thought that he would be a, a meaningful contributor in the way that like a Boye Mafe was, for example, last season, right? Not necessarily a starter, not necessarily a guy you counted on, but a guy who gave you uh, a significant and impactful um, production. And right. it is disappointing that that's gone. That To this point, the Seahawks haven't done a ton to replace that position. And so I I got to admit, I, I'm nervous. So they did sign nose, talk, nose tackle Carl Davis. I don't know what, if anything, to expect of that. Mm-hmm. I really don't. <laughs> no idea. Um, but either way, it's not really – taking over well they had Mike Morris playing some of the one tech so maybe they think it's a direct replacement for him they didn't even play him a ton at the the place that we all thought he would play right Um, I think one thing they could do is if if Cameron Young becomes you know kind of picks up the pace and becomes a serviceable nose mm -hmm. I still think Jaron Reed's natural position is is off the nose right and so I could see a situation where Reed becomes that other um the end right with Draymond Jones and then you had Cam Young in the middle it's it's similar to what Reed did you know Reed played that three technique with the Seahawks when he was with them the first time right in that four three and so asking him to penetrate uh the line the same way you are Draymond Jones it might that might be a fit um but they're gonna have to start being creative at this point in time because you, yeah I'm looking at the depth that our lads depth chart right now and you got five guys for three positions with with in Carl Davis sure but nobody else to speak of really that's not going to cut it especially uh in as it gets colder and teams start to try to run the ball against the Seahawks 
you, you're too light in the pants at that point in time. You know, you need they need more uh, some more beef up there for sure. And I'm sure they're looking. Yeah, it seems like they seem to be stuck on this four three, though. Um, it drives me literally insane. Like I could scream with the thought of them constantly changing personnel to match a scheme and then change the scheme when your personnel doesn't fit anymore. Like they, they continue to keep running in circles that way, never having personnel that actually matches what you're trying to do. Right. But I digress. Um, I may talk more about that later when it matters, but if that's the case, if that's the case, and it seems to be the case, you only are playing two, two defensive interior defensive linemen at that point. So that helps a little, but still not enough. And I, I will say I will disagree with you a little bit on the Cam Young thing. I do hope they get a lot out of him, but I would still put Cam, I would actually put Cam Young at the three tech because if you go back and watch his college tape, I never really saw what they he didn't do double teams well, right? <laughs> Even in college. Like that's not something if you go back and watch his tape, he sort of got pushed around. In that regard, it, it was going to be some real development for him to be a nose tackle anyway, in my opinion. So because of that, I would just keep Jaron Reed where he is, even though, yes, he could slide over and be a three tech. I would just develop Cam Young maybe more to his strengths, more to what he does well, because it doesn't seem to be able to hold up at the point of attack, especially against your double teams. Jaron Reed kind of has that country strong strength if you will i guess and so he's he just able to make it work but and i would i would roll with that but um it's it, it, they would have to do something in that regard though really utilizing cam young a lot more and i hope the guy's ready i hope he's ready they're gonna need him i do wonder too if uh if i know brian monet's on the pup list right now mm-hmm. and i don't know i don't know what his injury is but i do think that he he could also really change the complexion of that line if he was able to come back because he's so big. If he was able to come back and play, play the nose, and then again they would move Reed. I this happens in a lot of sports where, for me, sometimes you just have to play your best players, right? And so if if the Seahawks decide that their best players, their their best defensive linemen are, you know, Reed Jones and and pick whoever the other guy is, regardless of scheme. They may need to just do that, right? Because and then maybe alter the scheme slightly in order to um to get those guys on the field. Because right now it's just, I think, kind of to your point, you're, you're trying to put a square peg in a round hole like way, way, way too often. You yeah. don't want to see do it with one position, and they're doing it with probably four or five on that defense. Right, right. No, for sure, for sure. And I I'd be surprised if we saw Brian Monet before week. 11 or 12 if we see him at all uh, because mm-hmm. he's coming off uh he tore his ACL mm-hmm. um, and so that's a big guy um every time Pete's been asked about it he's basically implied it's gonna be a while for him it's taking right. him on because he is a bigger guy and that's a you know it's a pretty tough injury to come back from in general especially at that size mm-hmm. so like I said I'd be if we saw if we see him at all it'll be really late I wish that that was something we could count on though because I think you're right it it would give me some hope but I just I can't put too much hope in that. Pete's the eternal optimist, and he hasn't been optimistic mm-hmm. at all about Brian Monet. So I'll take that for what it is for sure. What about like, uh, what if they went and made a trade for like uh, bring Al Woods back or something like that? I could see them doing that. They like to recycle dudes. And the one the one saving grace, I think, is it's you can find a run plugging nose tackle yeah. pretty easily, right? They're not as they're not valued in the same way they used to be. Right. And so I think finding someone uh, to play that role or to be a run plugging, you know, three, four D end is not the end of the world. It's not like you're searching for a starting cornerback. Right. Yeah. It's it's a, it's a different, a different. Um, it's a little easier to find. Yeah, for sure. And and I, I agree with you. And I think that was sort of the, the Seahawks logic in the sense of not investing a ton of capital or money into that position. And now they won. They they decided to wing it a little bit more than I thought they would. But I think their thought process is you can find a dude out there. Yeah. Um, Matt Ayadias is a guy from the, who used to be on the Panthers that I still like quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. and he's not your traditional nose tackle. I think he could plug and play for you. But I mean, nobody's picked him up, so I don't know if there's an injury there or they just don't like him. But in other news, things that happened, Pete Carroll apparently listened to me 
on the last podcast episode when I was talking a lot about Artie Burns and just how I think he, they might want to try him a little bit more nickel, that he was pretty much out of a, a, a what are, I don't know how do they call it, move-ups or escalators, or, you know, from the practice squad. Mm-hmm. They they elevated him as much as they could, I believe, and that they should really think about making him a mainstay on the roster, given how poorly Kobe Bryant has really been playing. And they did just <laughs> that. Now, I will say part of it, I'm sure, is because of injuries. But if you go and you look at that injury injury list, you got Rick Woolens on the injury list. You got Kobe Bryant on the injury list, who's also not practicing himself. And so I, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe it was because Pete listened to me, but maybe it was because of necessity. Kobe Bryant's not even guaranteed right. to be available moving right. forward. Um, but that's a good opportunity for Artie Burns to prove if he can really, he's had such a small sample size. The question mm-hmm. is, can he do that well or close over a longer sample size? And it's a, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to get to see a good look at him against the Panthers. I think so too. Is What's the update on Reek and his health? He is sore, still not practicing, didn't practice Thursday. I doubt he plays. So today, or today is the big practice, right? If today is the big practice. Day, yeah. But I, if he's I able to get out there, then maybe. Yeah, so, it's not a real injury. It seems like it's just a, a pain tolerance, soreness type of thing. And because you know, we'll be involved in a lot of tackling. I think mm-hmm. they're just sort of letting them heal up a little bit. So hopefully, we can see him next week. But I'd be surprised if they threw him out there. So we'll probably see Trey Brown at the right corner. Yep. And Witherspoon at the left corner, and then hopefully not Kobe Bryant at nickel. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And Julian Love hurt too, right? And so Julian Love hand- is hurt as well. So it really would be Michael Jackson or or Artie Burns in that nickel spot. Um, yeah. And it wouldn't be Michael Jackson. They never they never practice in there, so it's huh. Artie by default. Right, Artie by default, and. Yeah. Um, Unless we see Witherspoon there and they and they move Jackson into the that left corner spot. And Pete's open to that because he was asked about that in the press conference and I, he said it's a possibility. Uh, you know, he didn't imply that it would necessarily be this week, but he, right. he implied for a while now that he'd like to see him in multiple spots. I don't know right. if he's trying to let him get his legs under him or, or what, or if he's just really reluctant to, you know, he's never really played a player in versatile spots before, but he's never picked somebody number five either at the cornerback spot. So... We'll well, see. What, I, what I will say is the the Seahawks secondary's uh, saving grace is, and I hope I'm not jinxing them, the the Panthers wide receiver core is bad. Yeah. Right. DJ, I, when I, I did my one through five ratings again, and DJ Chark was the only average receiver. Jonathan Mingo is athletic, but he's a rookie. Right. Adam Thielen is way long in the tooth. I am afraid of, not to get into the preview immediately, but I am afraid of, Dalton to Thielen, right? You got those old school grizzled veterans that are able to pick apart with short routes and whatnot. That makes me a little bit nervous and we'll get to Dalton in a minute. Yeah. But it's not, it's not like the the Seahawks aren't going against Randy Moss this week. Right. So the fact that again, if it was me, like I said, on the last uh, 360, if, if you need to see, if you need to sit reek, right. And rest him, this is the game to do it because between backup quarterback a porous offensive line and um, and some subpar receivers. That's the week to get him get him some rest. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, hopefully uh, I didn't jinx myself there, but we'll see what happens. I'm more confident than ever on my take before that you can't afford to sit everybody who's on the injury list because if you do, you're going to have a poor a more porous offensive line than the Carolina than the Carolina Panthers, and that's not kidding. Right now, if everybody who is on the injury list did not actually play, your offensive line will be Stone Forsythe. They have to move Brown to guard, which we all know he doesn't do that well. At then they have to put Olu at center, and then Bradford and Kerhan. And that's worse than the Panthers. It's literally worse than the Panthers. <laughs> I, I agree. I it's agree terrible. that it is. But I still think I'll still take Geno and and short passes, you know, even with a bad offensive line um, over uh, what the what the Panthers have going with Dalton in that line. That's just me. I Again, I'm resting everybody if I can. I'm confident. I'm confident the Seahawks are coming out with the W here. All right, we'll see. I'm, I'm, we'll talk. We'll, we'll get more into that a little bit later. Just to wrap mm-hmm. up our our news, another for some people it's big news, but uh, Tyree uh, Tyreek Smith was cut. Um, mm-hmm. The edge rusher, I think he was a fifth round pick for the Seahawks uh, last year, and uh, some people were surprised by that. 
I was not uh, because I, I wasn't really that impressed with what I saw in him from film. He really wasn't making mm-hmm. an impact. And I think they like what they have in Levi Bell. I think that's more because they like Levi Bell and kind of want to give him a shot. Because what they've done is they've now, they've now moved Tariq Smith to the practice squad. Mm-hmm. They moved Levy Bell, who was one of the top defenders in the preseason altogether, like just overall in the preseason. So that I I, I think I I like that. I, I wanted them to sign Levi Smith anyway. Um, I didn't think he had a real chance because I know they, they like to invest in their draft picks, but I'm glad that they made this decision and they get some more production because of it. When it's it says something that um that Tyreek Smith was cut and he wasn't claimed by anybody. Right. Right. The reason why they were able to put place him on the practice squad was that nobody claimed him. Yep. So there's something there's something going on there. Um and edge rushers are always in demand, right? And so the fact that he went unclaimed uh says something to me about um it's not because he went to Ohio State either. I'm not biased. But <laughs> it, it does say something to me that he went unclaimed. Um yeah. And, you know, fact of the matter is you've got four edge rushers, all of whom are playing, mm-hmm. all of whom have talent. You've invested second round picks in what, one, two, th- uh, three of the four. Yeah. And you need to see them play. And so with Smith, you know, it's, he's probably not going to get on the field, even if he was that fifth guy. So, yeah, I, I uh, it was interesting to me, too. He was, but he just wasn't doing well. He was doing mm-hmm. really bad. Like, they weren't giving him some of snaps, but he was consistently – uh, I mean, PFF, I use PFF guys because there's not really many comparisons. I'm still looking for other things out there. I know PFF is fought. I don't always agree with them, but that I agree with. Tariq Smith is one of the lowest graded uh, players on defense consistently. And in, in, I mean, it's two weeks, but still, and I, I like to see, think they can do a little bit better than that. In his place, they signed tight end Brady Russell because it seems like Will Disley's going through some sort of a shoulder issue. It doesn't seem, sound like to me that they've already found a replacement for him that he's not going to play. Um, Brady Russell is more of the blocker guy. That's sort of his thing. He's on the practice squad of the Eagles, I think, the Philadelphia mm-hmm. Eagles. And so they need some more blocking. I'm guessing they're going to count on Kobe Parkinson and, and Noah Fant to be the the pass catchers, which I think they can do that. Competently. I'm not worried about that. But uh, given the situation of the offensive line, I think that was a relatively smart move. They signed him to the active roster, and so he still remains there. Mm-hmm. And finally, um, Tease Tabor, bless his heart, has made a return to the to the practice squad. No, <laughs> yeah, I think he's on the practice squad. Yeah, I think he's on the practice squad. So that's not great. Um, don't love to see that Tease Tabor was started strong in preseason, but ended it real rough last season with the Seahawks. And they're bringing him back. That means they're real nervous about the fact that. Quandra Diggs got added to the injury list as well as Julian Love. And while you do have Jared Reed back there, what do I still wish we had Ryan Neal? Mm-hmm. Miss that guy. Mm-hmm. I and- agree. It's, it's a revolving door right now, right? These these injuries are are nuts. And I don't know if, if uh, the Seahawks are playing games with these injury lists, you know, kind of the way Belichick could put everybody on there and just to just to do it. But you look at this, the list is long. I So I will uh, s- snip the picture of the injury list off of the internet and put it on my in my notes. And for the Seahawks list this week, I actually had to hit control minus to shrink the zoom to be able to fit all of the Seahawks injuries on the page. Yeah. There's that many injuries right now. Um, the Diggs one, I'm hoping that's he's, he's one of the players the Seahawks cannot afford to lose. Right. You lose your deep safety. Who on who on this roster is, is going to play deep safety if, if Diggs isn't isn't playing in the game? Great question. Anybody. I know they have Jarek Reed, but he can kind of do it. But I guess I have to step in. But uh, Diggs is, to me, in, incredibly underrated. When I saw his name on that list, that's the name that made me most nervous. Outside and of the hamstring. All- and it's yep. that hamstring and those things are tricky. It's not yep. a, you know. So that that that's a little concerning for sure. Not just that he's on there, but what he's on there for, mm-hmm. and would it linger? The there is big uh, Panthers injury news, right? With Bryce Young, Bryce mm-hmm. Young, number one overall pick, is out for this game. They officially declared him out today. Andy Dalton steps in, right, from the Bengals, or began his career with the Bengals. You couldn't have more two 
I guess, you know, Bryce Young's not not a scrambler necessarily. He can buy time, but Andy Dalton is a is a statue in the pocket. And um, does that change for you? Does that change the Seahawks game plan at all um, facing Andy Dalton versus Bryce Young for you? Dramatically. Dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, to your point about the deep safety, this is a game I wouldn't worry about that too much. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, because if Andy, if, if Andy Dalton is going to beat you by going deep, then you lost. Like, that's just, I mean, that's just where we are. Andy Dalton is, what, 35, 36 at this point in his life. He's never been known for his arm strength to begin with. He's never been a guy that can just beat you on the outside of the numbers. He's just, that's just not his game, right? He's a guy who can take what the defense gives him, make mm-hmm. smart plays, make smart reads. He's a guy that can dink and dunk you to death, right? So if I'm the Seahawks, and I, I think in my mind, this is a coaching chick. Will the coaches be willing to go? excuse me, to go outside of their system to win. Because if you win this game by running heavy man and by giving up the deep, I mean, allow the deep stuff. If they can pull it off, who won, like you to your point earlier, what wide receiver are you just afraid of getting that much separation and beating you deep? Mm-hmm. Name me one. You can't. Well, Mingo has the, the, the athleticism and Chark has the athleticism to do it, but they don't have the skill, right? Yeah, and they're really not beating neither of them are beating Witherspoon unless it's a double move. Nope. And and especially if Reek's playing, no way. If Reek's playing, it's it's like it's game over, right? If Reek's playing, you're you're running, you should run, man, and call it a day. So let me ask you this: If you are challenging them and playing man, and you're not as worried about the safety, what are you doing? Are you blitzing him more? Are you blitzing him less, and just having a bunch of guys over the middle? What is uh what is your thought with Dalton and changing that scheme? I think in in general, you want to have a bunch of guys over the middle. Take mm-hmm. away those intermediate routes. That's what he's going to be looking for. Force mm-hmm. him to beat you on the outside because it's going to be really difficult for him. Andy Dalton, I pulled up his stats from last season, 20, 28% completion rating on the deep ball. He ranked 30th in the NFL in the mm-hmm. deep ball. He's also at a 55% completion rate against man versus 66% against zone. Yep. So he can eat zone a lot. Like zone is his thing. Mm-hmm. He can pick it apart. So if you're going to just play zone, this guy, prepare for a difficult game. I mean, right. it's, that's the only thing he can really do. So take away what he wants to do. Take away what they are going to want to do with him. Mm-hmm. Make them, like I said, beat you all the time. I don't think you have to blitz super heavy because um, their line's not that good. So I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't, and take away the routes. I wouldn't blitz. Because I wouldn't blitz that much at all because then you're putting the game on Andy Dalton's brain or in yeah. his mind, right? right? Then he's going to identify the blitz and be able to go right at that space. Right. And, and so for me, it's the same. I'm keeping, I might play, I might stack the safeties. If you are playing zone, I might stack the safeties and have one in the middle kind mm-hmm. of playing alongside or with, uh, with the two linebacker inside linebackers or one inside linebacker and then having one deep. But also, Miles Sanders hasn't caught more than 28 passes since 2019, right? And he's their starting running back. And so it's not as if they're going to run a ton of routes with the running back. Right. And they're going to, the running back's going to have to block and help with that line because that line is so porous. The one th- or the two threats over the middle are Adam Thielen, as I said, and Hayden Hurst is an average tight end, right? He can he can catch the ball. And so they're going to have to watch that. But yeah, there's not offensively when Carolina has the ball, I don't. If it's me, I'm sitting back, and I don't think I, – I think Dalton has the ability to get the ball to the receivers. I don't know if the receivers have the ability to get open and understand what Andy Dalton's trying to do, right? And you don't know what their chemistry is because it's been Bryce Young's team. Correct. Correct. Exactly. So to 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 all those points, that's my defensive, that's my game plan. Mm-hmm. Take away the intermediate routes for once in your life. Please, Pete Carroll, take away the intermediate routes. I right. you if you want to win this game, that's the key. If they're going to lose this game, it's going to be stubbornness on coaching. Yeah. Seriously, stubbornness on coaching. And I do have great fears about the offensive line. We can talk about that in a minute. But those are the two things I feel like can can still lose you the game big time and embarrass you. If, if Jamal Adams is back, I almost said Jamal Crawford. That's the Seattle roots. If Jamal Adams is back, what do you do with him? How does, it, how does it change the scheme? What do you do with him? I'm not playing him. I'm not playing him. Because, I mean, one of the things you'd want Jamal there for anyway is his threat on the blitz, which I don't think you need. 
this mm-hmm. game. To be honest, I talk about this in the, when I talk about the players of the game, but I think a player to watch is Daryl Taylor. He can eat up a weak offensive line. Mm-hmm. The guy can do that. <laughs> we right. see against the Jets, he had three sacks that game. So I think he can. I think he can get you enough pressure by himself in those situational uh, pass rushing downs. I'm not high on Daryl Taylor at all. If you listen to me, you know that. But I also know what his strength is, and it's preying on the weak. He can do that well, which means he can do that in this game against the Panthers. I think he had a pretty good game against the Panthers last year as well, if I'm not mistaken. It wasn't three sacks, but he did get quite a few pressures compared to his normal his output. So count on that. And just mm-hmm. sit Jamal out another week. I'd rather see him in week four, which is what I predict. I predicted he'd be back in week four anyway. Mm-hmm. And Peters said that he wanted Jamal to get two full weeks of practice before mm-hmm. putting him out there. If he puts him out there this week, it'll probably just be solely because of desperation, given the injury situation. Right. And in that case, how would how would you play Jamal? I'd get him some reps just to get him. If I could, if he was healthy, I would get him some reps just to get him used to being out there again. Mm-hmm. Um, I would would not, I wouldn't be afraid to have him be that short safety, right? The safety playing with the middle linebackers a little bit. Um, but I certainly wouldn't have him playing man in coverage, and I certainly wouldn't have him playing deep. So you've got to play him in specific situations and really have him on a snap count. But I do think getting him some reps and getting his body used to playing again is going to be important. And um, I may not even play him unless the the Seahawks had a lead, right? If they have a lead, like a big lead in the third quarter, fourth quarter, maybe you get him in there just to just to see, watch the bullets fly a little bit. But he's not a big part of my game plan. Honestly, I don't because he's not you don't need him to blitz, as you said, and you don't need him to play necessarily close to the line of scrimmage. And that's his game. Right. That's that's what he does. So I'd rather see a more coverage type safety playing uh, instead of him in this game. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So kind of going to the keys to win. I I talked about one, which is, you know, run heavy man as much as you can. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think even if it's just half the one thing they did against the Lions was uh, Devin Witherspoon ran press man coverage a lot on Mm -hmm. one side. And Trey Brown would oftentimes still be playing cover three. If you need Mm -hmm. to do that. So be it. It helps some. <laughs> it helps right. some with. So we'll we'll take it. I think I think uh you don't trust Trey Brown in that regard. That's fine. But the more you can make things a little harder, make Andy have to think, the better. I think the yeah, I think the corners, what I have in my notes, the corners should hold up against these receivers. Mm-hmm. I think, and I think that's we're not used to necessarily saying that about the Seahawks, right? But especially with with Reek potentially out. But I do think between the the pressure that I believe the the edges should get Andy Dalton playing and the quality or the lack of quality in their receivers, I do think the corners will hold up. And so you just got to, to me, it's, it's Seahawks play close to the line of scrimmage. You challenge them. You don't believe Andy Dalton can throw deep, as you said, shut down the run. Cause I think they will try to run the ball and control the yeah. ball. The Panthers will. They will try to get that run down, have that eighth guy in the box. If you have to, and yeah, if if they happen to complete three go balls and win 21-17, then so be it. I don't think that's happening though. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that's one way I'm okay with losing. Like I'll take that. I'll take a loss like that. Like it, hey, <laughs> you just gotta gotta say good game at that point. Right. Uh, and my next key to win is they gotta run a quick, quick game. <laughs> like I said, they gotta run a quick game last week, right? They did that. Um when I went back and I watched the tape, I know we praised his apples. I'm not saying they did a poor job, but Gino made a lot of that work. Mm-hmm. Gino's ability to step up in the pocket, step out of the pocket, run outside of the pocket, really kind of saved the tackles from mm-hmm. some some pretty ugly losses, um, initial losses on, on, on the rip. So there were some times when Gino threw a ball while getting hit and it'd be a uh, completion. Like, you know, really, he made those guys shine, I think, to some if you go if you really go back and you look at it. So given that on second glance, the tackles didn't do as well as maybe everyone said and or gave credit for, and the fact that your guards are now also in question. Right. Boy, the, thought, the faster they can get that ball out of Gino's hands, the better. It's not fast enough, in my right. opinion, for screens, because we can't, 
We obviously can't run those, but if we can get anything else, uh, we've got to get the ball out of Geno's hands because I'm just nervous. That, that was a, the two things I'm nervous about, coaching and that O-line. I do not feel good about putting Evan Brown at a guard position. That's not where he plays well. Olu. He's going to be all right. Trust me. It, it, that is my Michigan bias, but he was – he's smart. He's a technician. He he played – he was he was the best offensive lineman at Michigan last year. Yes, he was. And, and he is – he's a baller. I trust him, right? I, I expect him to eventually, you know, take that center spot from Evan Brown. But I'm telling you, if he – I don't – I think he will hold up um, okay in the beginning and become better than that eventually. I That's will – my concern is how bad he is in the run game, and you're going to say that they need to run the ball, right? They can't. Oh, who's this? No, you know, I think I think this is going to be all short game and Geno Smith. I think that's like you said. I I think the the short game, the quick game, whatever you want to call it, it the the Panthers personnel on defense plays to the Seahawks throwing the ball short because Brian Burns is a legitimate elite yeah. edge, right? He has. 15 sack potential mm-hmm. on the edge. Derek Brown, their uh their D end, the 3-4 D end, these 320 pounds, was a top 10 pick. And it plays like a top 10 pick, right? His PF uh PFF grade right now is 75-1 on the season. And he's a run stuffer, but he can also get to the quarterback and put pressure. He doesn't get sacks, but he puts pressure. He is an, a potential all-pro. And you got them on opposite sides. You have uh, Gross Matos was a, a, I think a low first or a high second round pick. Yeah, I forgot about Gross Matos. You know, so you've got him rushing the pass. He's got, at least he has talent, right? And then Justin Houston yeah. continues at seventy five years old or whatever he is, continues to produce, right? At outside linebacker, he puts up double digit sacks mm-hmm. when you don't when you expected him to retire. And so you have pass rushers. You have an interior pass rusher in Brown. You've got edges in. Uh, Matos, Burns, and Houston, right? They can put pressure on the quarterback. That's not their issue. Their issue is middle linebackers don't cover very well. Right. And their secondary is, is their corners are bad, right? Dante Jackson, CJ Henderson are names. Henderson, because he was a top 10 pick of the, of the Jaguars, they can't cover. Right. Those guys, those guys can't cover. And Xavier Woods is, a, is at free safety is a veteran, but he's not great. Von Bell is a veteran, not great. And then Jeremy Chin is just a big athletic kind of third safety or nickel, but he hasn't produced a bunch of numbers either. So to me, get the ball out. Let Gino use his brain, use his mind with this bad offensive line. You got the twos in, right, with the with the offensive line. Run slants, run out patterns. If you're going to throw deep, it's got to be a timing pattern. It's got to be a fade or something like that because you are not going to have time to to sit back there and wait for a deep post to develop yep. or a double move to develop. It's not happening against this team. So that's what I expect. And I also they're also pretty stout against the run. This isn't, you know, Frankie Lugo is a good middle linebacker. He's all over the place. He plays with his hair on fire. And Jeremy Chin, if he's playing, is is a, is really good against the run yep. as a nickback. It's almost like having another linebacker out there. So I expect because it's the Seahawks, I expect them to try to run the ball a bit. But I think we will see a lot of short passes. I think we will see with DK, you know, nursing injury if he plays, right? I think this might be a bobo game, honestly. Yeah. I think this might be because because he can kind of post up his defender mm-hmm. and catch the ball with a big body. I think you'll see a lot of, of Lockett um expected to see 35 plus pass attempts from Geno Smith. Um, but that's okay. You know, I think that's okay as long as they don't go against that plan, right? right. If you start seeing them try to throw deep and see, see Gino get sacked, if you start seeing, uh, you know, them trying to run the ball over and over again and not being able to do it, that will frustrate me. I also think that um, that uh, Parkinson and and Fant will play a role. Yes. But yeah. I do because they are very good in, you know, running those short curls and some of that other stuff over the middle. And so yeah. I think they'll be role as well. I think I think they'll be key if they can do some of the stuff they did, duplicate some of the things they did with the Lions. Maybe add on that, build on that. I do think it'd be good if they can get JSN involved this game because he's a guy that can help you move the sticks. Yeah. 
Um, but I know they can only limit his snaps so much because they really do need those tight ends for pass blocking. So I, I'm not upset with the uses of JSN. It makes sense with this right. point. But I hope they can use him because he's a guy who can really help move the chains for you. Um, I do think my third key to win is mm-hmm. actually to find some run game, right? Mm-hmm. I think they'll need some run game. Now, that may be Kenneth Walker. It may just be Kenneth Walker doing one to the house. Yeah. One to the house. One to the house is all you need to keep them honest, right? I don't think you're going to have consistent run game throughout the game, but if you can scare them enough, mm-hmm. have a big player to enough to keep them honest, that'll help your quick game. Because right. if they say, all right, they're not running it and they can't run on us, then it becomes easier to sort of jump those short routes. So they've mm-hmm. got to do enough to keep the quick game honest. And they managed mm-hmm. to do that against the Lions sort of um, but I think if they could get a little bit more successful just a little or maybe one one big run I think is the difference between the Lions game and this game if they could do that against the Panthers would be the difference then I think that that's how you win for sure because they with them not being able to throw deep you got to do something to give some variance right, right. Um, you, you don't want to 20 carries for 40 yards from I do uh, not want to see 20 <laughs> yards no <laughs> So one, one other one other thing that came to mind as you were talking is because of their secondary being so porous, one way to negate the pass rush is also to go um, empty and to have five receivers, right? And so maybe you're in your base personnel, but you spread them out and you put um, Walker out there as a receiver, and you've got a tight end that's you know as a as you know split off the line as well. Then it's all about Geno, right? That's what the the Patriots did with Brady all those years because Brady was so smart, and Brady would pick people apart because he was able to do that. It's another way to neutralize the blitz. And I think because Disley is out, right, your best blocking tight end is out, and you know they have some good pass rushers. That's one thing I would consider is because I don't know if those corners hold up against, especially if you're putting their fourth and fifth best corner out there or their fourth best corner out there, all of a sudden you got their, you know, these Joe Schmo dudes off the street playing corner for them against, you know, Bobo. Or if you're able to put anybody, God forbid the the Seahawks put anybody in motion, but if you put somebody in motion and, and you're able to, you know, get a better, uh, a better matchup, then you've got Lockett against their third corner, or you've got DK against their third corner. So that's something I think the Seahawks could, could take advantage of. I don't know. We don't see them do a ton of that, but um one more. Shane Waldron does does a fair amount. I'd like to see, I'd like to see it a lot in this game, especially if um if the run game isn't working and you just decide to let Geno cook. Yeah, I said that on purpose. Um, you know, then I, I think that's something that they could consider. But it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be interesting. Strategically, it's gonna be a very interesting game because of in large part because of the injuries on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I think personnel-wise, personnel-wise, I agree with you that it doesn't really, except for maybe the O-line, the O-line scares me, but in general, it doesn't really matter who's out there if they if they, if they coach it right. Mm-hmm. I doubt that they need to sit everybody because I question, can they coach it right? Like, that, I guess that's that's my, my, my number one doubt, but they have the, they have what they need even when they're stripped down to the bottom um, right. to be able to beat the the Panthers just because the skill players are better. Uh, our second our second string players are better than or the same as maybe some of their first string players. Right. I take JSN up against DJ Chark. I, I do that. Yeah, he'd uh, be the best. He would be the best receiver on their team for sure. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Exactly. One other one other note. So they lost JC Horn, who was a top ten pick at yep. cornerback, um, and he was starting to come into his own. He's by far the most talented player in their secondary. He's out for the year in all likelihood. And they lost Shaq Thompson, University of Washington grad. Um, and Shaq Thompson is, is you know, not quite all pro, but he's close, right? Shaq Thompson is a versatile, um, great, very athletic linebacker who really does change the complexion of their defense, right? He's a bit of a wild card because he can rush the passer but and stuff the run, but he can also cover. Right. He played. Uh, he actually played a lot of tailback at University of Washington, along with playing linebacker, which was wild. But I guess what I'm saying is you've got – this defense who still has talent in Brown and Burns and Chin, um, 
But if you would have added Shaq Thompson and J.C. Horn to that team, all of a sudden that's a pretty ferocious defense. And I would have been worried a bit more about the Seahawks offense, but I think the Seahawks lucked out, right? The Dalton thing is is weird because you went from this young quarterback who's not quite, you know, all there yet to this this dude that can't really, he's got a bit of a noodle arm now and, and, but has the brain to be able to pick you apart. I'm, I'm so fascinated with the, uh, with how strategically how this game is going to play out. I can't wait. Yeah. It's all about game plan. It, mm-hmm. it really is all about game plan. And I'm, it's hard for me to say that the Seahawks looked out looking at their own injury list. It seems like that game between the Lions and the Seahawks was like a war because the Lions, their injury list is almost just as long. Like they lost all these key players. Like, man, it's, uh, that was some game. It was a battle. It was, it was a real battle. There are battle scars for sure. But, um, like I said, it's a battle of the witch, the battle of battle of wits, really. Um, Mm -hmm. and I would hope that Pete Carroll can come out on top. I hope, I hope he doesn't stubborn. Um, speaking of scheming, all of that coaching. I'm going to say stuff. Speaking of stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> no, not speaking of stubborn, but speaking of scheming. Yeah. Now, I think uh, a real key to watch is going to be Devin Witherspoon. Did um, um, go back and watch some of his all 22 and his ability to be sticky, no matter if it's an intermediate route or a deep route, mm-hmm. uh, just stay in the hip pocket of guys is going to be so needed against the team you know like like i'm saying with andy dalton that's a guy you got to take away some of his options mm-hmm. and never with a spoon can really squeeze those intermediate routes he did pretty good in zone <clears throat> he wasn't as much of a liability in zone as i thought he might be um that guy is just instinctually great and they're gonna need him to to do that i think mm-hmm. he's a big part of the game plan um if he can play well i'm gonna say he played well, but if he can avoid some of the mistakes he made and play it otherwise like he did, that's huge. I mean, his ability, those those fourth down stops, you go back and watch the All-22, they're difficult because I'm on saying Brown on one of those tries to come and then do a rub route, and so Devin Witherspoon has to kind of like sort of sidestep I'm on Ross St. Brown while keeping his hip pocket to the tight end, and, and he managed to just do that and still break the pass of just – Yep. Just incredible stuff, uh, stuff you'd expect and be excited to see from a number five overall pick. But he's going to be huge in terms of I think the, I think the Seahawks might have the confidence to change their scheme the way they need to accordingly because of Devin Witherspoon and his play last week. That to me, that pick unlocks this entire defense mm-hmm. if everybody is healthy, because if if Reek is is who he was last year. And Witherspoon is on the other side. And all of a sudden you have two corners who you don't worry about anymore, right? You've got two corners who are outstanding, elite. Now that frees up. You don't need all that safety help anymore, right? You don't need to worry so much about, you know, digs. You might still keep digs as, you know, playing a deep safety. But that's what was supposed to free up Jamal Adams, right? So a lot of this what was to be able to capitalize best on Jamal Adams' talent. Because then Jamal Adams is just your, your eighth guy in the box, essentially, right? And yeah. and, he, and he's a, a wild card. You can move him anywhere. Yeah. And he's blitzing, right? Run blitz. He's blitzing on passing downs. He's playing that short intermediate area where he is effective at times in, in coverage. But it's it's all because you can free up that that strong safety because you have two corners who can hold up. You replace you replace one of those guys with Michael Jackson or Kobe Bryant or one of those or one of those names. And it's it's same old Seahawks. Right. So, yes, I think that is the whole key. To me, it might be the key to the season. Getting Woolen and or yeah, getting Woolen and Witherspoon on the field playing at an elite level together might be what unlocks this entire season for the Seahawks, because we know the offense is going to be okay are, you know, probably slightly above average. Mm-hmm. We know that the pass rush is going to get home sometimes, right? Specifically in Wosu, but, and we know that they can probably stop the run because Bobby Wagner's back. At, at minimum, he's getting people in the right positions. So if those guys can be elite on the corners, now you got a defense. You got a real defense at that point in time. I'm and, excited. And for me, there was a lot of talk about the run defense. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not going to say I wasn't worried about the run defense. I am. But to me, it's far more advantageous to stop the pass. It's the Mm -hmm. modern NFL. And teams aren't trying to run it a bunch unless you're the 49ers or the 49ers. (laughs) (laughs) There just aren't a lot of teams that are really trying to just run it down your throat like that. Uh, Even the Baltimore Ravens, who that was all their brand, they're trying to go more passing game now. So, I mean, it's just you got to be able to stop a pass. And your ability to do that ultimately will determine your season. Now, you need to be able to be respectable enough in the run game, and that's what the Seahawks weren't last year. They weren't respectable enough to force teams to do anything else, right? That's what Bobby Wagner provides you, though. Correct. Him alone provides you respectability in the run game, whether it's him stopping the run or him telling Jordan Brooks where to go or aligning the linemen in the right gaps. He He's smart, right? He's a Hall of Famer for a reason. Yep. You see it in this team. If you compare the way the run defense looks this year compared to last year, they're no, the holes are gone, right? Those those big assignment misses where they have the huge holes because the guy's in the wrong gap, That's they're not doing that anymore. And to me, yes, it's coaching. But it's Bobby Wagner getting people in. It's Bobby Wagner getting people in the right spots. It's it's one hundred percent. In fact, see uh, our Brandon Nelson on on YouTube. He does he does these different video breakdowns, and so he just did a video about Bobby and how important and how integral he's really been mm-hmm. from the Seahawks run run defense perspective. And mm-hmm. if you go look at it on PFF, he's got twelve stop tackles, which is du- double anybody else in the league, which means. Uh-huh. He's taking plays and dead stopping them in the tracks. Yep. His average depth of tackle in the run game is 2.1. Wow. Yeah, but 2.1. I mean, you can't beat that. Right. You can't beat that. And so that can that in and of itself, and it and I think he wasn't uh he's not leading the league in um tap. I think it's tackles maybe not i think there would be somebody no he's still he's still top top of it he's close tied with tackles just mm-hmm. if you go back and you look at the different metrics in terms of run defense they all all signs point to body being the difference now so Nwosu also has done really well in run defense i think his average as a tackle is like negative two point something mm-hmm. it's not it's not as many tackles not nearly as many tackles as uh as bobby is so a smaller sample size i'm sure that it, it's a factor but He's doing great too. So mm-hmm. I I give most of the credit to Bobby, uh, a lot of it. And mm-hmm. I will say Jaren's doing a pretty good job. I think uh I think overall everybody's pitching in enough and Bobby's that much of a difference maker in the run game that right. they'll be fine. Like I said, at least respectable yep. in the run game. So with that said, get that pass game fixed. Get get that fixed. And this team has so much potential defensively. That's the that's the frustrating part about right. watching them have so many holes right. is that you know the team has a talent. It's not a question of talent anymore. Mm-hmm. And you know the team has the versatility to be able to defend anything and anyone. And it yep. just seems like strategy keeps being a what what team what teams have think about this. What teams have two elite corners? potentially elite corners, one all-pro safety in Diggs and a former all-pro safety in Adams, a future Hall of Famer at the back end of his career at middle linebacker, and three big-time talented um, edge rushers, right? Potentially four, right? You've got talent on the edge. you got a Hall of Famer in the middle next to Jordan Brooks, who, how did he lead the league? You've got elite corners. You've got safe. Like you have the personnel. You're right. It's coaching. It's coaching. It's utilizing that talent to its fullest potential. Um, again, if if Witherspoon is who we think he is and Adams is back healthy, I think we may see it. Yeah. We're hoping. 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 Another player to watch is Mouse Adams. Uh, can he step up and play? Because Jaron Reed is a guy who's on that injury list too. And he has yet to practice any. That's a huge blow yep. to your defense. And I think Miles Adams and or Cam Young would be your next guys up in terms of being the nose tackle. Yep. Can they do it? Um that's a big question mark. And I think their ability to be at least respectable. 
will go a long way in helping the Seahawks win this game. If they get ran over, it's going to be a long night. <laughs> uh, so the Seahawks need somebody like that to step up and be respectable. I mentioned this earlier, but Daryl Taylor, another guy who I think can be key. Um, I just I just think he can be a good matchup against that against that O line. Um, mm-hmm. So for once, I actually want him to get a reasonable amount of snaps. <laughs> so I'm not <laughs> mad if they give it to Derek Hall. I just I just think that Taylor does have the savviness enough in right. his experience to be able to take advantage of some of the weaknesses that they may have on the offensive line in a way that Derek Taylor Derek Hall sorry may not be able to. Right. Still want to see the guy get reps, but mm-hmm. I I think if Ter- if, if Daryl Taylor can't show up to that uh, on Sunday, that I really don't want to see him anymore. I mean, that's kind of my take. That's where I am. If you can't show up against the Panthers O line, right. then quite frankly, sir, you you need to be on the bench. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, it's the least you can do. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, Artie Burns is a guy that I think will make a big difference because, like you said. They're going to need to have some kind of stability at, at, at that nickel corner spot. It can't just be go to Kobe Bryant, get a first down. Mm-hmm. They need, the, no matter how elite those other two cornerbacks are, you're only as strong as the weakest link is essentially what the Seahawks secondary comes up comes back to. And they need somebody who can be far less weak back there so that you, you're forced to throw to Devin Witherspoon. You're forced to throw to, you know, Reek when he's healthy, but Trey Brown for now. Um, I think mm-hmm. if he can play anything like he played against the Lions, and I think he may play better on that side, um, right. pretty optimistic about that, then that's that's really what you prefer. You don't you want to try to avoid people targeting over the middle, and um, Andy Dalton will do that, and he will figure it out quickly. Very Adam, quick. Thielen, Adam Thielen will eat Kobe Bryant alive. Alive. Adam Thielen might be old. I think he's 34. Yes. But he's still a technician. He's still good over the middle. He and Andy Dalton have both been in the league forever. They're, I bet I will guarantee you they're on the same page as far as option routes and all that kind of stuff. He will eat Kobe Bryant alive. I yep. promise you that. And the one way I could see the, the Seahawks getting tore up is if that happens and then the Seahawks feel the need to move uh, Witherspoon into the slot in order to, to cover um, – cover Thielen, especially on third down, now you got a weakness on the outside. And I know that the Carolina receivers aren't great, but they'll attack that, right? They'll yeah. attack all day long. If it's Michael Jackson out there, they'll attack that all day long. So the nickel has to hold up. You know, I I uh, I trashed uh, Artie Burns on the last 360, but I'd rather see him than Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Right? Artie Burns was a first-round pick. Yep. When he played in Miami, like he's got talent. It's, but I, I would love to anybody but Kobe Bryant at this point in time for me in the nickel. Pretty much, and 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 it's, another reason why I think he'd get eaten alive. To your point, is Thielen's a stocky guy, I and mean, he's mm-hmm. he's pretty stout and build. And sometimes I think Kobe Bryant, even when he is in position, he just sort of gets out physical mm-hmm. or outsized. Right, he's either you know, too short or his arm doesn't go long enough, or you know he's just not able to make the play. Sometimes just because of physical limitations, even when he is in the right spot, mm-hmm. and you see, like you saw that a couple times against the against the Lions, him and Julian Love just sort of got out physical, just didn't have. They were in the right position, trying to make a play on the ball, and just couldn't couldn't do it. And Thielen would take advantage of that all day. I'm not seeing Kobe Bryant punching out a ball on Adam Thielen. I can't see it. Um, mm-hmm. Now Artie Burns has more of the typical size that a Pete Carroll uh, coach would love. Mm-hmm. And I think he can use that to his advantage a little bit. And you need whatever advantages you can take when you're this low on depth um, in terms of your starters if you're the Seahawks. I agree. We doing predictions today? We are doing predictions. What you got? I got uh 31-17 Seahawks. I think um I think the offense is gonna produce. I think Geno gets you know, 250 to 300 yards. Um, I think he spreads the ball around a ton in this game. He's going to have a lot of open receivers. Uh, I do think the defense is going to hold up. I could see the defense giving up a cheap touchdown or a late touchdown in this game. But I think the Seahawks end up winning comfortably. I think it's not as close as 31-17. I expect the 12s to be going nuts. I know it's Carolina Panthers, but this is what, second home game? Mm -hmm. And, you know, still nice weather. 
people want to see the team and and it is it is still not an easy place to play right and so i i truly think the seahawks this to me i guarantee this win this is uh why did you do that why because you do that? i thought we were past that Oh, we're not. We're never going to be past that. We're not going to list and then guarantee to win. Put it out there. there. There have been signs, Tino. There have been signs. There have been signs that you should not stick with this. I guarantee a win. The quarterback is a worse matchup for us now. Thanks for that. The injury list is longer than Harry Potter books. And (laughs) now you're still out here guaranteeing wins. You know what? On top of it, I would sit. I would sit Charles Cross. I love Charles Cross. You yeah, know I that. I, I, would sit, I would sit Charles Cross. I agree with that one. I would sit DK. I, I would I sit I would sit Jamal unless, like I said, you can get him into a couple of uh a couple of plays for the end. I would sit Reek. I'm sitting Damian Lewis. Uh I don't want to, but he honestly he might be he might be just as important as um, the other names that we named in this particular game, especially if they match up uh, Derek Brown on him at all. Derek Brown's a tough customer. Um, but yes, 31-17, I'm guaranteed, personally guaranteeing this win, oh, and I would sit as many guys as I possibly could because I don't think it's going to matter. Oh, boy. <laughs> all right, guys, we had hope. Well, you know. Um, I'm not nearly as optimistic about the game. I still got to put a win because I can't just end my soul. Like, my soul won't let me, like, put a loss for this. But I'm highly concerned about it, mostly just because of the Tino curse and because of all the things that have led up due to the Tino curse. I blame all the injuries on Tino, too. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The list got longer. (laughs) I know. I I blame Tino. And it's Um, big game, too. Uh, okay, so I'm going to go 2017. I think the Seahawks win it. Um, mm. I think Jason Myers misses the extra point. It's going to piss us all off. Um, I think I think that um, it's going to be more of a struggle for the offense than it was against the Lions. I think Geno does a better job evading edge pressure than interior pressure. Mm. And if we don't have Damian Lewis back and if we got to put Evan at guard and we don't have – I mean, not that Phil Haynes is really much anything to snout it, but – I. Actually, I'm not that worried about Phil Hanks. But if we don't have Damian Lewis back, I think that leads to a lot of additional interior pressure. And I think you see some more three and outs. I think the offense will still be functional, I mm-hmm. hope. But I think it'll be closer just because if they can get pressure, um, especially immediate pressure, that some like some of those, go back and look at all 22, some of those reps, Jay Curran, he lost immediately. On site, <laughs> and it was just you know being able to, well not even been out there, huh? You might as well not even been out there some of those reps, and so it was just Gino escaping from the pocket and then throwing outside of the pocket that made it work. But if he's got interior pressure coming too, then he, does he have those same escape lanes to be able to get out? That's why I think Damian Lewis is so important. And if he's not playing, it's tough sledding. Um, but I think the Seahawks can still get it done. It might be more nerve biting than any of us want. It might be more anxiety driving than any of us want. Um, P. Carroll will love it, but I'm going to still go Seahawks win and just pray that um, Tino hasn't cursed us. <laughs> Guaranteed. Oh, Guaranteed. boy. <laughs> but it'll be a good one. I think um, litmus test, if you will, for yeah. how hard I'm going to be on P. Carroll this year. Uh, yeah, because I was real hard on him in week one. Still don't love what I see in, in week two, but you mm-hmm. win a game like that. I can't be too hard on you. Week three determines a lot. It determines the trajectory, how much I yell in the next podcast, too. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think that's all I got for the game. Uh, anything else you want to add? Nope. I'm just excited for uh, college football Saturday, Mariners baseball, and uh, certainly the Seahawks game on Sunday. All right. Cool. It's going to be a good weekend. Well, tell people where they can find you, what you got going on, and um, I'll close this out. Yes. So you can find me on Twitter at Tino Jr. 20. You can find the Mariners cast, which I am the host of at Ethos Mariners. Uh, It is the stretch run for the Mariners. Ten games left in the season. Uh, All ten games are against the two teams that they're competing with uh, in the American League West for the American League West title. Um, Right now, or today, starting today, three games in Texas against the Rangers, then uh, 
three games against the Astros at home, and then they close out with four games against the Rangers at home. They are currently a half game out of first place, tied with the Rangers for the third wild card. Um, been talking about these last 10 games for the last, I don't know, three months leading up, knowing that these were going to be pivotal. So I'll be watching every pitch. I'll be having two TVs on most of the most of the weekend. Um, and I'm doing I am doing uh weekend podcasts or Mariners cast this weekend and next weekend just because it's the stress drive. So a lot of fun. Can't wait. Um, like I said, not enough hours in the day for sports right now. This is my favorite time of year. <laughs> absolutely absolutely all right well we appreciate having you on tino so be sure to check out everything that he's got going on and support the mariners also support our seahawks follow at ethos seahawks for any updates uh try to keep the best of news polls analysis all of that that you need to know that's all the time we have for today guys that's it i'm out and as always go hawks